Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, we are taking a break from our off-season slumber or off-season hiatus, whatever you want to call it, uh, because a new dawn is here for the Portland Trailblazers as the face of the organization <laughs> since 2012 Damian Lillard has been traded. <laughs> this would be uh, an especially sad day for us Blazer fans if we hadn't known for the past four months that this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes the reality doesn't set in until the trade is complete. But here is a, a, a recap of the trade. So Blazers received Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tomani Kamara, the sleeper of the deal, Bucks. 2029 <laughs> unprotected first round draft pick and unprotected unprotected swap rights in 2028 and 2030. The Suns receive a nurse of <laughs> no, sorry, <laughs> thanks for the memories. Yusuf Nurkic, <laughs> don't let the door hit you the way out. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, I can get it right nine times out of ten. Uh, but really, thanks for the memories. Grayson, uh, Suns also received Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, a few memories there, and uh, Keon Johnson, who did occasionally see the see the court for the Blazers. Um, and the Bucks, of course, get Damian Lillard. And uh, apparently, the uh, Blazers will be moving on soon from Drew Holiday as he you know doesn't fit in with their rebuilding movement. But I do want to make two points about this. Uh, number one. For however many hours we have him, it's been wonderful having a point guard on the roster who plays good defense. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, number one. And number two, he better not tell Blazers management that he only wants to go to Miami because we're done playing that game. <laughs> not again. No. Uh, <laughs> I think Joe Cronin set that message loud and clear. I'm sure he did. Um, but before I, I kind of turn it over to you guys for the expert analysis, uh, in my opinion, there are two losers uh, today. Uh, number one is the player empowerment era, as Lillard did not go to his preferred mm. destination. And number two, Pat Riley, uh, the <laughs> old man. The old man has lost his fastball, and somewhere he is he is breaking trophies, throwing his rings at the wall, cursing the Celtics as he just defaults to doing that when he gets mad, and uh, and chewing out every staff member with an earshot. Uh, but my designated winner, and then I really want to turn it over to you, is uh, Joe Cronin. As everyone thought he was being bullied by Riley and the NBA vets, that he was the, the bumbling Fredo of GMs, but really he was Michael Corleone all along. Just I'm ready. smart. I'm smart. <laughs> not like not dumb, like everyone <laughs> says. Just ready for the right moment to take over the family business. He waited <laughs> while everyone panicked. He got us back some serviceable talent. He brought us valuable assets. He took down Salasso, aka, AKA Pat Riley, because we <laughs> thought we were getting Tyler Hero and some party goodies. But uh, <laughs> and this evening, he handed over the keys of the kingdom to our new star in the making, Scoot Henderson. And Cronin, we trust. End yeah. of intro. 
It, Beautiful. I mean, the, the ability for Cronin to sort of fly by night here and pull this thing off after, I mean, I think everybody in in the NBA just fully expected at the end of the day that this was going to be the Miami poo-poo platter. I mean, I, you know, you can evaluate the the value gained from this deal as compared with, you know, the Miami offer. And, you know, I think it is better. How much better is maybe a question of what they get for Drew ultimately. But it, it is warranted that uh, an apology is due to Joe Cronin. I mean, I think at one point I questioned his fortitude to look at this and the fact that he didn't make the deal before the draft. He didn't pick his path in advance of the Scoot Henderson pick or dealing the number three pick in the draft and instead ultimately um, kind of stayed the course and and waited the market out. Uh, you know, some well-timed Giannis disruption uh, maybe played in his favor. I'm not sure he was necessarily betting on that, but the fact that Giannis kind of spoke up and and kind of put the the Bucks feet to the fire uh, certainly helped. But, um, you know, it's, it's well done by Cronin in terms of kind of setting the franchise in, in a clear path forward and, um, you know, it's an exciting day to sort of recognize that. And, and, uh, it, it certainly, it certainly makes media day and then the start of the Blazers season a bit more interesting and, and exciting rather than, uh, maybe just complicated. And a quick question for you, Ryan, uh, before your analysis, uh, do we think that maybe Joe Cronin sent Luca Brazzo over <laughs> to Giannis to kind of, you know, use his muscle to sort of sway things a certain direction? Yes, a masculine child. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, and in, in, in Cronin, we trust, as you said, D. I think, um, yeah, I, I just like that he did a, you know, he sort of looked at the equation. He looked at sort of, you know, the variables that were in play and he decided to get a little more creative and expand things. So he, basically, he's trying to get the, this deal, the, the, the Lillard return to go from, you know, one plus one equals two or two equals two to one plus one actually equals three. And again, to Michael's point, it's the drew holiday. What they do with him will tell, tell the tale, but I think it's, I, I really like that he was creative with that because I do think just knowing myself personally, I'm much more of the, like, this is the one option and you just kind of bear down and try and keep pushing and do it as opposed to taking a step back and going like, okay, we don't like this. Let's be patient. Let's see what else, what else comes up. Um, so yeah, I think I definitely prefer this to what they, you know, from the Blazers perspective and what they were going to do with Miami. I think, I, and again, I get the argument that you know, the, the draft capital was better potentially. And obviously there's more young, there was young talent up there. Um, but I, I think holiday is valuable. We were texting about it earlier and I, and I do think he will get a solid return as well, even though he has one year left on his deal. I do, people are already running all the, hypothetical situations but there's a lot of really good teams who would love to have someone who's great defensively you know great in the clubhouse and is um you know there's an all-star he can still score he can do stuff he can he can he can be on the ball he's not a great offensive player but um yeah i, I really like that move um we can talk about the sun's part of it later and <laughs> that's a whole other <laughs> conversation but um, I mean, what did you guys think about the Bucks side of it? I mean, what did you think about going from Holiday to Lillard? Obviously, to give up a good amount of stuff to do that. 
real quickly, just to, if I can revisit one more thing with the picks uh, with that the Blazers got, because it seems like one of the, I don't know if it's a steal, but just a nice deal for the Blazers is that the timing of those picks, like 2028, 2930, oh, yeah, their incredible. core is around Giannis yeah. and Lillard now, so yeah. they will be <laughs> moving yeah. toward the end or toward yeah. you know retirement, so... Uh, yeah, that could be very, very good timing. I just feel like that was a pretty savvy uh, part of the deal. But uh, um, well, that's the funny thing is they're going to get now with this trade. I mean, we'll see what happens to be honest if this works out, but it definitely negatively impacted the Pelican <laughs> Bucks picks. I mean, they were hoping, OK, Giannis is going to resign now, but, you know, three years ago, but then he'll be he might leave in this next year or two and the picks that they have would hit. Um but I agree. Although I do find it hilarious now that we're talking about unprotected swaps. It's like, which I think is a thing, right? I mean, I think like Phoenix started swapping things and it's like, you really need to pull out the, the TI-84 calculator to kind of figure out what all the, <laughs> all the different uh, protections are. So I agree. I mean, it does seem really likely, I don't know. I mean, fingers crossed the Blazers can build the, you know, the roster out from here, but yeah, I mean, it, Milwaukee will be in a bad place then. Like, there's not really a way around that, um, whether Giannis stays or doesn't. Yeah, and I think from the from the Bucks' perspective, I mean, I think if you're in for a penny, in for a pound, you know, I think, you know, John Horst and, and that ownership group sort of looks at the tea leaves and they say, well, our draft capital is already, I think, in a rough spot. You know, there's there's no rebuilding through the draft in any sort of timely fashion in an effort to sort of placate Giannis. And so I I, I love the deal for the Bucks. I mean, I think, you know, the, the the discussion of the Miami trade outside of the compensation, you know, it from a basketball fit perspective, Dame in Miami was a kind of a perfect fit around Bam and Jimmy, right? I mean, his defensive liabilities could sort of be offset and all of a sudden they have a ball dominator that can really shoot and spread the floor. And, and I can, you know, the Bucks to me are like, the the next best fit for Dame and all of the teams that were in this conversation, right? There's no, you know, Giannis, you know, his best role has often been in that kind of more finishing space and in that creating space. I mean, they were so good in that title run in 21 because, you know, Middleton was at the peak of his powers. And so, you know, Middleton has obviously stepped back a bit, has had the, all the injury issues, but to be able to put another ball dominator next to Giannis and allow you know, Brooke Lopez and Giannis to do their defensive thing uh, and a lot of cover up a bit of, of Dame's limitations, but, but provide a floor spacer and a ball dominator and a real creator uh, alongside the roster they already have. I mean, it's just, it to me is a, is, is the perfect move at the perfect time to sort of set them up for, for another couple of years in, in this sort of run that they've, they've been on. Um, obviously Drew's a big loss, but, you know, in some ways, you know, Drew was almost duplicative in his sort of defensive mastery because of the rim protection that they already have on that back line. Whereas their half court offense has always been their Achilles heel. And when they couldn't run, you know, they, they would get into this slog fest, right. And it's just these rock fights that, you know, they couldn't really rise above because you just pack the paint against Giannis and dare someone else to do something. And, and now all of a sudden that doesn't work anymore. You know, because I think, you know, I think what's lost in some ways in these discussions is how good Dame has been very recently. I mean, as, a, as yeah. recent as just last his year last was season. incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. And so the idea that, you know, you're putting 
you know, an all NBA talent. I mean, he was 13 this last year with the sort of, you know, what I would probably wager was somewhat of a fictitious shutdown towards the end of the year and really kind of let him run wild and not really shut down his <laughs> at the end of a season. I mean, it just, it gets me really excited for the bucks. And I mean, to me, they are, are certainly sort of the favorite in the East. Um, and, and if not, you know, they're up there in the conversation for, for title favorites. Can we title uh, tonight's pod in for a penny, in for a pound? I like that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's I, a good. I, and I think Lillard uh, fully agrees with your uh, assessment on uh, how good of a fit he would have been with Miami because uh, obviously he really wanted that to happen. But uh, I'm sure he got on the phone with Giannis and uh, saw a, a bright future in, in Milwaukee. And I, for one, will actually be pulling for the Bucks uh, to be the team in the East. I, I, I think, uh, I mean, you know, last year they were more or less, we considered them the favorites, I think. Um, and I don't see any reason why uh, they won't be again. But now with a more uh, intriguing offensive uh, attack. So I think Lillard can help take it to the next level. I think that's a good point about his maybe his defensive deficiencies being hidden by their uh, rim protection and other other strong defense capabilities. So I, I, I am excited about that that piece of it, too, to see to see uh, what Milwaukee does this year. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 injury dependent. But if Middleton can play sixty five games at like ninety percent of what he's been, you know, eighty five percent of what he's been, not like that peak, like championship pre Olympics window where he was like I don't know a top ten player for a bit, if not you know top fifteen, he was really up there. Like I'd rather have the I'd rather if I was literally rather play with him and Giannis. Giannis is so much better than both Bam and Jimmy. You no, know, <laughs> so incredible. You forget because they just beat them. You know he was hurt. He didn't play that well. All the all the weirdness about it. But it's like Giannis is insane. I mean he's incredible. I mean just um, and you combine that with the most efficient offensive player in the league last year. Um, I mean, Lillard and kind of his, again, I mean, I mean, Drew's going to play 65 games. Lillard's going to play 65 games. Like, it's just, they're all going to do that, assuming they don't get significantly injured. But he just, he kind of reminds me of, I'm trying, I mean, I don't follow baseball as close as I used to, but he just reminds me of one of those guys who, like, the league, people know is good. He's like an all-star and he's good. But if you actually look outside his counting stats and you look at his, like, you know, you go to the war level, you're like, it's like a guy who hit like 320 with like 25 home runs, but somehow he has seven war. And it's like, oh, wait, he's like the sixth best player in the league because all of his efficiencies are off the chart. It's like Jokic, right? Lillard's a little bit like Jokic um, with his shooting and with what he's able to do. So I think, yeah, and him to have Giannis on one side of it, Giannis to have him on it, I think it will be a little bit you know, there will be some transition for Giannis to have the ball in his hand any, anymore. I think it's actually really great that they replaced, I, you know, Bud's not there. Coach Bud is not there because mm-hmm. Coach Bud would just try and have Lillard do whatever. Like, I just hope Adrian Griffin is like, hey, like, just do. <laughs> Let's start running pick and roll. Call Terry Stotts, get some sets going and just Ooh, go to town. Nice. And um, I think it's more likely that they'll do that because I think Coach Bud was kind of set in his ways. Um, I'm also fascinated. People pointed out that um, Giannis, I guess when they were doing the draft, the last all-star draft for the non-starters, 
he picked Lillard as, as the first pick over Drew Holiday. And it's a great oh, video of like <laughs> of LeBron like <laughs> like in real time catching up with it. And he comments that like he thought Giannis was a loyal guy to his hometown and everything, and now he's he's changing things. I gotta I gotta kind of kind of custom this new Giannis. So I do feel it's kind of like an awkward way to do it. <laughs> like it's like Giannis's way of like trying to recruit, you know. <laughs> it's like what is he saying exactly? Um Milwaukee's a great town. I say that all the time. I've been there once. It's awesome. I can see Dame liking it. There's actually an article recently about how Milwaukee, the hip hop scene, is really growing there too, which may not think of the first thing you think about with Milwaukee, but so Dame <laughs> would be a good good place there. So definitely a little better scene than Portland, I'm assuming. So um, I didn't see that one coming. That yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited. Um, just to watch them play together um, and, and see what they can do. Now, do, go ahead. <laughs> do you think the Milwaukee Bucks, did they burn their bridges with Terry Stotts? I mean, since they fired him and no. after two years, his first coaching stint, just get let, a, maybe let bygones be bygones. Get, and, a, get yeah, on like a consulting contract. In. Yeah. <laughs> Run a few plays. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not super complicated. Um, game over the ball's hand all the time, and you know, they run pick and roll, and then he'll kick it to Middleton, and he'll be a top three offense. So that'll be nice. <laughs> you need a coach that understands that point that it's not super complicated. Yeah. Uh, this is the key is not over complicated. <laughs> <laughs> not super complicated. And yeah, you know, if, if we, oh, if Stocks had only had Giannis and Brooke Lopez to, uh, to, to handle his defense, but don't worry, somehow <laughs> the Phoenix Suns. Thought Stotts had Rick Lopez because considering the trade they just made for Nurkic, <laughs> I don't know what, what they were watching. I mean, I think at least from my perspective, the you know the understand what the Bucks are doing. I think you know it's a it's a worthwhile risk. Uh, you know, again, respect to Cronin for what he's trying to do. Hopefully, he can deliver on the second part of it, but it's definitely on a good track for them, relatively speaking. We can talk more about the Blazers and where they go from here, but. The Phoenix piece of this like doesn't make it really doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's the what's the equivalent like like uh, phrase to end for opinion for a pat. What is yeah, it? The sucker at the table. Yeah, something, man. I don't know. Too like, smart for their own good. Like I mean, I joked on our text chain, but I was like, ever you know, Bill Simmons was talking for all summer about how Nurkic was going to be the Dame tax, but he ended up right. being the Sear Little tax. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe I'm overreacting to Nurkic, but if they thought they hated Aiton, like I think they're gonna. I mean, they should call Lillard because I think they're gonna probably start hating Nurkic pretty quickly after that too. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> what do you guys think of that part of the deal? Maybe they see something in Keon Johnson that the rest of us just don't see. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. They're just so yeah. focused on getting these like role players. Like, we got Grayson Allen now. It's like Grayson Allen couldn't play in the like the playoffs. Like I don't. I don't really understand the strategy of we want enough guys who can get us to the um, we can keep our guys rested in the regular season so then they can play all the time. Then I just don't understand the strategy. It's like it. it, it I mean, again, maybe it's just the, the Bill Simmons influence, but it's like you want to have guys who can play in the playoffs and compete and and do stuff. And their list of guys like that is pretty small. And honestly, with like Nurkic, not Nurkic is not on that list. <laughs> in terms of guys at the end of games outside of the right matchups. So I don't know. What did you guys think? 
Well, Ryan, you're forgetting. That's why they signed Drew Eubanks the, for, <laughs> for the playoff minutes. Oh, right. Drew I Eubanks mean, is like, uh, Nurk, Nurk everywhere I go. <laughs> Do you think Isaiah called Joe Cronin and said, hey, what's a big man rotation of uh, Nurkic and Eubanks? <laughs> That's right. We didn't think about what Isaiah's fingerprints on all this. And next yeah. we got to get this guy, Zach Randolph, and then Eddie Curry. And the races. <laughs> Jerome James. Oh, man. Francis. No, I, it's, you know, it, it's funny, right? Like, there's got to be some business book talking about negotiations where, like, if there's like a three way, three way deal going on, and if, if two of the ones are clearly winners, there must be a loser at the table. <laughs> <laughs> I think Phoenix is certainly that one here. It's, it, it, it is mind boggling. Like, I, I just can't fathom how much, like, Devin Booker must hate. DeAndre Ayton for him to be like, yes, please get rid of him. Like I just, I mean, that organization and DeAndre Ayton, I mean, after him signing with the Pacers, them matching as an, as a way to sort of preserve the asset, so to speak. And, and how, how much it blew up this last year. I mean, him and Monty, you know, one of all, one of the, the nicest guys in sports purportedly couldn't get along. Uh, You know, it's just, it's, it just it's it's a crazy kind of swing, I think, because they're really relying now on a, a mishmash of players to play really important roles around this these this trio of players that is again they're awesome. But you know you got to have five out there, and I and I am very curious to see how it how it plays out. I mean, it really to me they take a step back here, and you know, and I want to be wary of the fact that like DeAndre Ayton is a bit of a name brand, and so. You know, he wasn't quite the player that everyone hoped him to be, you know, particularly with his size and frame and his lack of rim protection, his lack of kind of assertiveness going to the rim. But his video game addiction. Yeah. (laughs) But nonetheless, I mean, having a guy like that, you know, anchoring your defense, kind of being in the paint, it's just the fact that they, you know, and the craziest part to me is, is is the, the deal as constructed without, Aiton being a part of it. I, I actually don't think it would work under the like the cap restrictions is what I was reading. So it's like Phoenix literally was like the linchpin to making it all work. And still they got they didn't get anything like they. they... <laughs> Grayson Allen, think, baby. <laughs> maybe maybe the, the saying that we're looking for, I think it's from the movie uh, Rounders where Matt Damon says uh, when you're sitting at the poker table, if you don't know who the sucker is at the table, <laughs> you're then the you're sucker. the sucker. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah, it just doesn't, it just didn't add up for me. Because, I, yeah, I I, I totally, like, I think even if you assume that all the things you're saying, Michael, are all right, right? Like, he's disinterested. He is, he's going to, like, shoot pull-ups and, you know, floaters. He's going to, like, disappoint you generally in terms of, how good you could think he could be, but he's still like 15 and 10, you know, with like, you know, elite athleticism who can, I mean, again, like you, you, you don't want to, you flash to these moments and these experiences, but I mean, Denver was a man down for sure, or multiple men down and Phoenix was on a complete tear, but like Aiden guarded Jokic better than I've seen anyone do it. I mean, outside of Rui Hachimura, it was just like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one can guard the Joker, but you know, it was just he, he, 
he's a guy you can throw in there and do it. And he played tons of playoff games. And it's just like, that's again, again, maybe it's just my Bill Simmons in me, but I'm like, that's, that's the kind of guy you could like go to war with, even if you get disappointed and annoyed by him. I don't know. It's just, yeah, he's not like, he's never going to be Devin Booker, like Mamba 2.0 or Chris Paul or Durant or like all these freakish guys who are like incredibly gifted athletes and also play hard and, love basketball and play all the time. He's definitely the, like I was seven one and most gifted athlete, you know, around in my generation. And thus I play basketball. You know, <laughs> So it's like, that's who he is. And is, I, I feel like I'm excited to see him play with scoot and play with those guys where it's not like they're always like giving him side eye. And I just think Nurkic is going to get, going to get the, get the brunt of it, man. I mean, he had some real flashes a couple of years ago. I mean, he, he, but it was rough last year. So I just, I just don't really get like, okay, we're going to go down from Aiden to Nurkic or, but then we're going to get these additional role players that may not play. I mean, if little is good, like people have said good things about him for a while, if little becomes like a starter or the sixth man on that team, then it's like, okay, like it, it, you hated Aiden and you got a six man out of it, then maybe this makes sense, but it's just, seems like this whole betting on these role players and these guys, I, I just feel like it's, you're just shock shotgun approach. You never know when these guys are going to have good years or bad years, like their marginal talents relative to the top guys. So it's a strange, this idea that you need so much depth is just, you don't, you need eight guys in the playoffs, like, you, you know, and seven sometimes works. So it's just, I don't I just don't really understand what, what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, when something doesn't make sense, I just assume it all has to be interpersonal at the end of the day. No, that's, the, yes. that's the, literally the only yes. thing that makes any sense here is that yes. they, they couldn't it, Booker Durant, you know, whoever else kind of said, we got to get this guy out of here. It's like, it's done. Um, which is sad. Cause again, it was, he played a really relevant role in their title run or in their finals run. Um, and you know, the fact that, you know, I'm curious to see what a fresh start in Portland looks like. I, I mean, I'm also curious if like on some level, if he becomes a bit of a piece going forward for the Blazers from like a, uh, you know, a value perspective, like obviously he doesn't have a ton of value right now, but is there an ability to rehabilitate that, that in some ways and kind of yep. reset the deck again in yep. terms of bringing in more sort of draft capital or, or, or more, you know, maybe a, a better young player that, that fits the the timeline and or the the mold of the team a bit more. Yeah, the interpersonal point's a good one. There was there was this there's this like top guy at Amazon, and he got brought in for this really kind of hot startup called Flexport. And they were really big during the uh the um early the pandemic because they basically like a software platform that allows people to ship things, like ship things all around. And so they were really kind of like this, like, oh my gosh, this perfect company for the situation. And then the the founder stepped down and they brought this am, top Amazon guy. He came in and he just got like pushed out like a, a few a month or two. And you're like, what happened? This guy was and he got totally like bad by the founder going out. And it was like, oh, man. And it's like this should have worked. It's got to be like this guy. It's a personal issue. So the company is struggling in some ways. But the hilarious Coda is, I think it's still I, I checked. It's still up there. But on his LinkedIn, this like senior guy from Amazon on his LinkedIn, he doesn't put working at Flexport on his career. He put it under education. 
I just love that. It's like a tech, a tech newsletter. That was great. Um, you think the moment for Aiton was when uh, he signed that offer sheet to go to the Indiana Pacers, like he really wanted to go and then they matched it. And he was, he did not seem like a happy camper at that moment. Do, do, do you think he committed himself to uh, just, uh, you know, being kind of a, uh, a problem and, and has had this like a mastermind plan to, you know, gradually rub people the wrong way. Uh <laughs> Get on, get on the bad side of some guys and just work Derek, his way out of town. Derek, I think it actually goes back to an ESPN article that was written in their in the the season where they went to the finals about how Aiton's uh, drive and determination had totally pivoted with the addition of Chris Paul to their <laughs> roster. And I think we actually may have discussed the reality that no matter where Chris Paul is at, he wears that as welcome. Uh, oh, right. I think Aiton at some point woke up one morning and said, "Enough of this shit." <laughs> It's true. It is funny though because the Portland, what they're doing and trying to do is actually a little bit. They're you're too behind, but the Indiana path, right? Where if Scoot kind of comes up like a Halliburton type, like Halliburton's unique, but where they're running and gunning, like you could see Aiden kind of like this is actually a similar landing spot if a you know a year or two sort of earlier along the process. Um, so I could see why you would like that. I mean, my. You know, my biggest thing, just going back to the Blazers, is really, you know, um, I mean, there's two questions for me. One is, like, what are they doing with Jeremy Grant? Is it just, like, he's locked in that role? They're going to keep playing him. Like, what is the real story there? I don't understand. Um, um, just because he has no excess value. He's probably negative value, you know, based on his contract right now. So that's, I guess you just kind of, like, he just keeps playing with the young guys and they, they go from there. So we'll see how that works out. But the biggest thing for me, and I and I, I don't know if it's a winner or a loser, probably a winner, but then it's like a lot of pressure. Maybe it's a loser is Shaden Sharp because, you know, he this really like rides on him right now because, you know, Scoot is going to be a rookie. He has a lot of great potential and flashes. You know, he'll get some time to sort of figure it out. Um, and and then Simons, who Simons is, right? And they're going to figure out with Holiday and Grant and kind of keep moving things along. I think with Sharp, it's it's um, it's a big year for him because he's going to start, right? Or he's going to be in that three-guard rotation, at least get a lot of minutes and a lot of play. And he had so many flashes last year. And you're like, wow, this guy, I mean, I really love what I saw. But then, and maybe I'm just over, again, it's like one experience, but going to summer league like that year, with Michael and his crew, it was like when you're there, like the second year guy, the rising 2L, the rising second year player, you really want to see like people differentiate big time in that position. And we saw Devin Booker do it. And it was like, oh my gosh, he is like destroying everyone and he's enjoying it. And Sharp did not play well in Summer League. Um, and then the fact that people pointed out like, in summer league, which I hadn't heard before, was that his he has relatively small hands, and that's actually maybe why he didn't do the dunk contest is because he can't like really palm. He definitely has the Jordan palm ability. Um, so then you're like, okay, well, that's not that big of a deal, but that's kind of like, okay, maybe that's the reason he didn't do the dunk. It's just kind of like, oh, there are these things, and I really like again, we like what Kern's doing. I like his right hand guy. He stole from Gavoni. Um, 
and like I like that they took the risk with with um Sharp, but I'm just like Sharp needs to show something. Because yeah. if he doesn't, then it's like, man, Cronus made some nice moves, but then, you know, if Sharp doesn't work out, it gets tougher because they didn't get anything really from the, the, the all the dump trades they did two years ago. Um, and they're just kind of like, you know, these trades are going to work out better, it seems. But it's just Sharp is really the linchpin. So that's yeah. that's the guy for me that's both a winner and a loser. Yeah, I feel like in this, this new era for the blazers like the the biggest piece to everything is will scoot henderson live up to the hype because i think you know is if he is a star in the making i think you're right he gets a longer leash he with being a rookie he's going to go through the ups and downs but uh but we need him to we need him to be a star uh and then uh, yeah i think with sharp that's the second piece but then there's the more that is the more urgent part and like when we saw him as a rookie it was it was the raw talent and then he did have a stretch of games toward the end of the season where he was at least statistically he was putting up the numbers but it was like were those just garbage games at the end of the season so i felt like but we felt okay he's turning a corner yeah and then so it was really disappointing that he did not play well in the summer league and 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 was kind of surprising based on that we thought it just wasn't maybe a big enough sample size to to draw a conclusion. So, I mean, he's really young, but same time, I think when Booker was that age, that was probably you know similar ages, I would guess. You're right, but, he uh, was young too. You're right. Yeah, but, but, but Booker yeah. killed, like you said, he killed it. Yeah. So, um, and it could have been more complicated yeah. to your point though that just just again allow that Scoot being there, even though Scoot got hurt part of the time, was probably makes it a little trickier because it's like. Guys that several like do the best, the ones with the ball in their hands all the time. And he had to play off the ball with a guy who's trying to establish himself too. So there's always there's always explanations. And he is like very young. He doesn't have that much experience. And I still think the fact that they've made the pick, even though that was the beginning of the end with Lillard, um, you know, it's the right, they're making the right moves, they're trying the right things. And, and I really do hope this this comes out right for them. I have to admit, pardon me, my first reaction, I was kind of excited about Drew Holiday. I mean, it makes sense. He doesn't fit into really the short-term or the long-term plans. But I kind of like, as a fan, you know, because it's tough to go through a rebuilding phase, the idea of like, oh, we'll have one foot in the present. We've got yeah, Drew two, Holiday. We've two got timelines, Grant, baby. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. you have the, 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 the core of the young guys. So we're kind of trying to play both sides of the equation, but apparently obviously we're not trying to do that and uh we're we're going all in on the rebuild but that is a good point about jeremy grant it's but in cronin we trust that's the answer to jeremy grant and cronin we everything trust. <laughs> yeah and I, and I just love i loved your like at the beginning er, earlier on just talking about riley being a loser and just him <laughs> just so upset and like, finally yeah and uh i just picture like danny Ainge prank calling him you know <laughs> And offering him Jordan <laughs> Clarkson for Bam and hanging up. You know? <laughs> I'll take Tyler Hero and uh, I don't know. Do you have any horses in Miami? To do deal? <laughs> oh man! No, it is. I mean, I think that piece about Cronin and the patience he exhibited in the Dame process it gives me a lot of hope for. You know, not only the, the the holiday kind of offload here, which is seemingly more imminent, but even 
sort of the divestment of potentially Aiton or someone yeah. like Simons. I mean, Simon again, this Simons as sort of a um, you know, expensive can't defend combo guard obviously is 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 a probably neutral value contract at best, but you know, at, at some point, you know, if he spends 18 the next 18 months averaging 25 a game, you know, at some point someone's going to talk themselves into that when he only has 2 years left on his deal as sort of a guy that can you know, do some things for you and kind of slowly sort of rebuild, uh, you know, expand the war chest of picks that, that could potentially become available here versus, you know, and I think that's the biggest comparison, I think in, in terms of the two deals, like the, the Miami poo-poo platter versus, you know, what they've got from uh, Miami and, and Phoenix is, or Milwaukee and Phoenix is, you know, the Miami deal at least reportedly had at least two picks. And if they had really maybe engaged further, maybe could have gotten a third depending on what Miami would have done. But, you know, the fact that you you have the kind of the illusion of, of grandeur with some of these, you know, far out picks versus something, I think the bucks picks got to be assumed to be sort of the best of the bunch in all of those um, so while maybe not having as many at this point, there's, there seems to be a long kind of pathway to sort of procuring even more in, in the process to give you kind of more bites at the apple. That's now, a great I, point. Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I was just gonna say, I, I think it's a great point about Aiden and about Simons and trying to just turn over every rock that you can and see, cause they are like, they're younger guys who have a lot of talent and while they may have more counting stats than efficiency um relative to their contract value it's still you know they're they're gonna head the right direction generally right like they're gonna they're gonna keep getting better in some ways so um so it'll be fun to see what happens now i think circling back on miami i mean i think Miami positioned their entire summer around this premise that I think they were going to get Dame. I mean, you know, I, I think the fact that Gabe Vincent and Max Struess are now, you know, two starters are no longer on the team. I mean, they certainly seem to be at least one of the lead suitors, at least theoretically, for a Drew Holiday <laughs> trade. Now, I'm not sure Pite Riley wants to really re-engage with Joe Cronin at this point. So maybe that's... that's Do you uh, know who I am? <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Actually, but, it's not Ainge, it's Joe Cronin pranking Riley right now. <laughs> you said Drew for Bam straight up. Yeah, is Bam available, Pat? Bam available now. <laughs> you know, poor, just, Ty- it, poor Tyler Hero. Nobody's got to feel more rejected than Tyler Hero, you know, over the pat this offseason. Um, <laughs> uh, I will say Grayson Allen had a big announcement that he changed his jersey number for the third time with the Bucks like two weeks ago, and now he he was just <laughs> traded. <laughs> so that one is pretty good too. Oh my god! Uh, but it, I, I just I think where do you guys see this puts Miami? I mean, I think maybe the story is not written, but it, I think it's a pretty unique circumstance. You know, I, I was trying to think back on finals teams that, you know. Obviously, they still have, you know, Jimmy and Bam. They have the heat culture. So maybe it's not as much of a precipice as maybe it appears initially. But they certainly seem to have some major pieces sort of moving on without much replacement coming in. I mean, do you guys still see them sort of in that, you know, in the upper echelon? Or or do you anticipate kind of a step back pending some other move here? I mean, 
they had a great run, but I just don't go back to that. I mean, they almost missed the playoffs. I mean, they, well, they got in the play in, but they they were one game away from elimination. I mean, three minutes had, away. They were three minutes away from from elimination. So um, I think that they, I mean, they have. They love playing the underdog role. They love surprising. They believe in the heat culture. So you can't, you can't write them off. Uh, obviously they showed, they showed a lot of heart and spirit last year too. That goes a long way, but um, I don't, I don't see them continuing to be a, a, a threat in the East. I think they had a, a great run. They've done it before. So like they deserve a lot of credit for it, but I, I don't think it's sustainable right now with that roster. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I guess I just keep assuming they're going to turn over more guys that can that can do stuff for them in their system and what they do. Um, like, yeah, if, if they knew what they knew now, would they have wanted to keep those guys more? Like Struess and Vincent, yes. But would they really want to keep them at those price points? I feel like it's, for like, it's like $30 million for those two. So, I mean, those, I don't, I'm not I'm not very bullish on those guys in their new locations um, in terms of like being able to be the same type of end of game playoff performer as they were in Miami, but you know we'll see. So I I yeah I I I'm, I am really curious if they're if they're like okay we have to we still have to make a move and do a move because I think someone pointed out it's like they were probably like like oh this is great like there's no other suitor for Lillard eventually they will cave but if not Giannis is now on the move <laughs> it's like Aslan is on the move you know it's like oh where's he gonna go next what's going on I mean I should work for Giannis to you know but it's this idea of like where you know oh there's stuff happening so I mean I guess will they would they pivot to I don't know um, Mitchell and Bede other dudes that are like gonna Put the press put the pressure on and if so like who's going to want to take the same offer that the blazers rejected for lillard i mean that's the hard part is like it's like i remember dan lebitard early on being like where else are they going to go this is the only offer this is a good offer tyler hero's good and this is a good offer let's <laughs> take it it's like eh, it didn't really work <laughs> out lost, that way. lost me a tyler hero is good uh, yeah maybe. He's just not. like just like his company's documentaries i don't know if it's gonna turn out <laughs> like they planned but uh, <laughs> no i think that is you know that's what continues to put them in the in a tough spot i mean i think miami has to be kicking themselves i mean if they could set their pride aside you now to not sort of it's one thing to say hey this is our best offer and it's one thing to say this is literally the best offer we can make and and they didn't get to that second one um in any sort of like reasonable fashion to the point where it's like, I don't blame Joe Cronin for not even like giving him a rain check on, you know, Hey, we're looking at this other deal. I mean, which is what initially has been reported is that there was no communication over the last two months and nothing before the deal even got done. So, you know, the, the fact that Miami wasn't willing to kind of proact, you know, preemptively, you know, say, Hey, we'll go amend this pick with, with Oklahoma city. We'll get you three draft slot draft picks. We'll get, we'll give you everything we got to make this yeah. happen. Yeah. Because they didn't think they had to. I mean, that's the thing. They, they got cute and weren't willing to pay the, the the price of admission. And it was it was almost it was so insulting that that Cronin just sort of shut it down. I mean, and, and you know, good on on Cronin, as we've discussed. But, 
you know, the fact that Miami didn't take the swing when they have an aging Jimmy and, you know, again, sort of a, an organization that again, has a lot of, you know, staying power, but at the same time, you know, that window, at least in the current moment seems to be closing the fact they didn't take that swing. I I can't imagine when they look in the mirror that they're not disappointed that this, this didn't turn out differently. And and their downfall was that they underestimated Joe Cronin. That's what, that's the bottom line. (laughs) The the downfall of many of us. (laughs) Pat Riley can't look in the mirror because he smashed all of them. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, guys, one shoe's dropped. The, uh, the season's not far away. It's almost October and we're, we're well on our way, uh, to, to, to the new season starting, but this is a fun one to get unpacked and, uh, Kind of maybe we'll do an emergency pod for the hardened trade that might be coming. <laughs> oh, wait. I might this be was busy. all for you, uh, Scott Wang. I might be busy that night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I am too, actually. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast, it's a triumph of the human spirit.